Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, I have uh, the pleasure of having... uh, uh, another artist from the uh, OCP, uh, Jaime Cortez. We're going to talk about his music, his career, and his life. Uh, if you want to ch- uh, call in, you can call in at 347-324-3460. 347-324-3460. We'll post a question in the chat room. And I'll go ahead and read the question on the air. To begin with, I'm going to play one of his tunes. Uh, it's called Rain Down. It's a English uh, language song. And we're going to play that, and we should have him on the air shortly.
That was a song by uh, Jaime Cortez. We're going to play another one, and we will start an interview shortly. This one is called Children Reborn, another English title. It's off his uh, recent album called uh, Sacrament, Spanish, English, and Bilingual Music for Sacrament. We'll be back with uh, Jaime in a moment. Liturgy 
and uh, and inappropriate music for for worship and and from there I just kind of developed the, the skill and uh, had an opportunity to uh, establish a relationship with this wonderful company you know called o- OCP or Publications and and as uh, that relationship grew you know there was a lot more to study and a lot more to learn and in uh, fact that led me to study in much more depth. Uh, what it meant to be a musician for the Catholic Church in the sense of doing uh, appropriate music for worship and develop my skills as an instrumentalist, as an arranger, um, as a composer, and those things have taken me to a lot of places where I can uh, have the privilege of listening to great speakers and uh, people that are top in their field in liturgy or in theology or in music and, and rub, rub elbows with terrific musicians that have taught me a lot. And so little by little, uh, training on the field, you know, has given, has given me the great gift of uh, being able to be a successful music writer for the church. Well, well, thank you. Hey, kind of tell us uh, your story. How how your music come to be? I mean, do you write in the middle of the night, or what inspires you to write your music? That's really an interesting question, and I get that asked quite a bit. Uh, it's not always easy to pinpoint how you write music. You know, when, artistically speaking, uh, uh, inspiration comes from different things. It could tri- a phrase could trigger it. A conversation with a friend could trigger it. A, a phrase in a scripture reading can trigger it. Uh, an action can trigger it. Uh, but but the truth is that in the in the realm that we live, or at least that I live, you know, which is uh, a lot of times using music as a function. You know, music is a function that, that kind of glues together ritual actions in a in a church, in a church setting, whenever you are doing liturgy, uh, which is prayer, you know, the common prayer of the community. When you're using music to glue that together and to and to heighten the consciousness of certain ritual actions through music, then it becomes a little bit more functional. And a lot of times it's more of a task, you know. Uh, it could be that somebody uh, has said to me that they need um, music for the sacraments or they need music for a particular ritual that has to do with um, welcoming new members into the church. Or maybe somebody, is a friend of mine is getting married and needs a small acclamation for their wedding ceremony. And so these things are functional where music will, will, will literally have a function within the ritual action to either heighten the consciousness, to deepen the level of faith or the experience that you're taking at the moment. So a lot of times, you know, it, it's a functional test. It, it will be a matter of the inspiration comes from we need a better song for the sacraments here or we need a particular music piece of music for this ritual moment. And I go do research. I looked at the, at the, um, at the general instructions and some of the scripture readings that are related to that moment in that ritual action, and that triggers something for me. And and I just begin writing. Sometimes it could be with a text first. Sometimes it could be with the music first. But normally with some sort of a task or a goal that is very specific, you know, a function that is specific for a certain ritual action. Talk about function uh, with the, the the change of the, the, the liturgy. I know uh, from some writers uh, they were trying to take their old titles and trying to adapt to this uh, this new text. Uh, and some of them said they really, really have struggled. Uh, and even if you look at the once they did give it to fit, then the people that was used to it, the musicians, directors, say, I really don't care about 
because <laughs> it, it it brings a new psyche and you give it play for the directors and you look at the 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 faces on the directors. They say, well, why don't you just write something <laughs> like this but brand new? Uh, it is really really. I some of the stuff works, some of them don't work. Uh, have you? Did you have to struggle with that? And when you uh, kind to revise your editions and that, how yeah, do you struggle I think with that, it? Yeah, I, I, well, I think that that's a, first of all, that's a very valid feeling that you articulated, and I think that you articulated a feeling that is incredibly common throughout the entire nation in the sense that all of us have to pay sharper attention to the text, uh, also understand uh, there are that there are changes, you know, and to be aware of that, to be going to do research and say, okay, when we're going to do this particular ritual action, is there are there changes in this? And you know, does the Roman Missal uh, have uh, already adapted this into a new, a new or at least an updated version, you know, with a different language? And how are we going to deal with this? And how are we going to use music with this? Can we use the music that we have? So all of the things that you articulated are very valid and also very real for the majority of the musicians of the of the nation. So, you know, we, we just have to pay attention. And so I went through the same thing. You have to be really careful and going, okay, so we're doing this right now. Well, has this been updated? Can you know and the really the great majority of the liturgy has been updated and you have to just kinda of pay attention to that. Uh so in in some situations we uh have to go piece by piece. You know, if you're talking about mass settings, for example, which I think is where the sharper example of this is, you know, the publishers decided they looked at the mass settings and said, Well do we do we need to update this one? Can this this mass setting, this musical setting of this mass, you know, the Holy Holy, the Memorial Acclamation, the Amen, which is now called just the Acclamation, by the way, uh, you know, are those pieces of music can they be adapted and updated with a new language and the new translation? And then can we still use them? Can, would people feel confused, or do we just do a new one? And they decided to go with both. And I think that most of the musicians in the church have also decided to go with both. Uh, with rare exceptions wherever the bishops have asked them not to. But in, in general, you know, if you were talking about my particular case in my particular diocese, uh, we we were given permission to use the updated ones and also new ones. And so in my parish, I chose one mass setting that was going to be one of the updated ones. We would recognize the melody, but we would have to, to teach the new the new uh, translation for it. And at the same time, we used, we learned a new one, a new mass setting, and we took the time to learn it. I think the essential thing about that in terms of you um, musicians of the church thinking in terms of um, of being instrumental catechists is how you teach this, how you teach it to the group of people who are coming, the, the faithful that come in. So it, it, it is crucial that you have to explain what's going on, that there have been some updates and some, some translations that are new. Uh, that, that you feel that maybe this is a setting of the mass that is recognizable and we are, it's familiar to the people, so we're going to try to use it with the new language. So let's practice this, you know, and we give everybody an opportunity to practice. You know, there's a there's a whole system. The, the musician of the church, if it's a successful person, uh, is somebody who is really interested on helping uh, a group of people, you know, the faithful, to help them to come and enter into the song so they can, in that way, enter more deeply into prayer into a Christ experience. And so, with that, I have to have tools. You know, I have to have catechetical tools. I have to teach. I have to do it in a way that it will be accessible to everybody and positive mm-hmm. to everybody. So, you know, it's a it's a tricky thing. It's a, it's a difficult thing. But in, in a way, I have to make decisions as a, as a leader of song and a leader of faith in my community. I'm going to teach something that is 
you know, old and recognizable yet a little updated, and also I'm going to teach something new to them, and I'm going to do it in a positive way so that we can work it out so that we can all come, you know, come out at the end happy and, and, and ready to pray. Wow. So how long do you recommend to stay in the mass setting? Did you say how long? Yeah, how long do you, you recommend uh, uh, to stay in a mass setting of the new text? That's, that's year really, really, or six months? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. That's a great question, too. You know, I, I love your questions, Tim. Uh, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the important things is who is your community? You need to know who is your community. How well do they adapt to changes? How well have you and, and, the, and the leadership of that church taught uh, different things? For example, the liturgical year. You know, the liturgical year is an important aspect of understanding your journey of faith through the scriptures uh, when you are going to church. And so if your community uh, is, is well-trained in understanding the liturgical year and understanding the different seasons of the church, then, uh, you know, I, I use in general um, four math settings in general. You know, and right now because of the new changes, I've only, I've only gotten to two of them, and slowly we're going to be choosing more, more of those settings. But I use one setting for... Advent and Christmas. I use one setting for the ordinary time parts. I use one setting for Lent and Easter together. And then I use one for something that's maybe special occasions or something that has to do more with the diocesan level if we're going to do the cathedral. You know, so there's something else. But but in general that I pair them up that way. You know, I put I put Advent and, and Christmas together with one setting, Lent and Easter with one setting, and, and and also one setting for ordinary. And so that's that's how that's how I use them, you know, and, that, and that, there's no rule for that. But now that we're doing new settings, you know, I am much more inclined to be comfortable saying, well, you know, we could use one, maybe one for the whole year or maybe one for six months, you know, so that people can get very uh, familiar with it. You know. With the new text. <laughs> kind of de- describe, uh, with your particular music, is, is uh, you've written a lot of bilingual and Spanish language uh, songs. Then you have two songs uh, that's really widely known, uh, "Rain Down." Uh, tell us how that came to be, because it's it's more of a gospel flair and it's not more of a the norm that you write. So tell us about that particular song. Well, I guess you know uh, that's a uh, it, it, when if people who know me well, you know, know that I I'm a, I'm very eclectic. I was born in, in New York City, but my parents are from Central America, from El Salvador, and I actually grew up there and did my elementary school in El Salvador in Central America. So I have a lot of influences from a lot of places. If you know geographically mm-hmm. where El Salvador is in Central America, you know, it, it comes with great influence from Mexican music, but also great influences from the South American countries. So we have completely different rhythms, merengue, you know, and all, all kinds of you know different uh, rhythms from Colombia, Venezuela, and from Brazil, and from Argentina, and the Caribbean. Which is Afro-Cuban, uh, and, and so that there's there's a lot of influences. So I have a lot of different um, uh, different uh, musical uh, patterns that I am familiar with. And so you know, and one of the things is I, I was I, I grew up partially in the United States, and so I was also in the in the era in which the Beatles were breaking into the you know mainstream, and and uh, and so rock and roll was very popular. And I I grew up also learning jazz and classical and, and many other aspects. And so. One of the one of the styles that I loved a lot was you know a piano style that was more of a gospel swing, and my parish at the time uh, needed a piece of music that was going to be used for confirmation. You know, that, there go the the um, imagery of 
rain, you know, which is the waters of baptism, you know, God loving everyone like the water that covers the earth. You know, there's an imagery that I had heard in the scripture, and so uh, I thought mm-hmm. this would be perfect. And so you use the, the rain as, a, as an aspect that covers everywhere and with no exception. So the love of God covering everyone in this manner. So I used the imagery of rain. Um, some some of the influence on that piece, you know, there's influence from from Phil Collins and influence from Elton John. And, you know, so it's a little bit of everything in gospel music. So uh, th- there's a lot of different things in that element of rain down. You know? So I, I just kind of wrote the piece thinking about the, the imagery of, of, of rain uh, coming down. You know, if you, if, you, if you are familiar with the melody, you know, the melody is coming down. You know, rain down, rain down, the, the melody comes down. So it, there's a, what they call in music word painting. Word painting uses mm-hmm. the melody reflects what the text is saying. And for some reason between that and the repetition and the simple notes and the simple rhythm and some of the chords that are used in that became a magical combination that has become very accessible for people and a lot of people in the world like this piece. They love Rain Down. Now, I can't explain it exactly why that piece uh, struck a chord on everybody, but it's one of the wonderful accidents that happen when you're creating music. You know, So Rain Down is something that's much loved by everybody. Tell us about how you create as an artist. Uh, some people have, uh, it comes like, like we talk about rain down, it just rains down for a certain series of time, and you just, everything out of you is just flowing out, and you have all this writing just coming out, and all of a sudden, you hit a wall. Nothing comes out. You cannot write a song to save your life. Can you tell us about that experience as a composer? Um, do you have those moments, and how do you overcome those? Do you collaborate with someone else to try to get that back? Yeah, that's that's actually I, that's an excellent question too. You know, uh, I I can tell you certainly uh, most artists have hit a time when they are not productive, and I've been there many times. Sometimes it's just life, you know. Some some things that you are doing. There are other things. You know, I'm, I'm also a husband and a parent and, and a teacher. And, you know, and sometimes those things happen that you become so uh, involved in other aspects of your life that all of a sudden, you know, you blink and it's eight months later and you haven't written anything. Uh, that's not impossible to, to, to experience. Uh, but what it is is as an artist, you heighten some senses. You know, there, are, there is something within you that always is watching carefully, listening carefully, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, capturing lines and conversations, sometimes even with a little pad, you know, and you write down what people say, you know, and and, and so you pay attention. You know, I, I'm uh, very close attention to the scriptures when they are being proclaimed. Uh, sometimes since, since I am a music director at a church also, I have to do research and read scriptures ahead of time that are going to be proclaimed late in later weeks. And all those things bring me back sometimes to the, to the mental and the spiritual state of mind that will that will require to become creative. However, sometimes it takes time. I, you know, you brought up that, that too. You know that sometimes I just have to get together with other colleagues. I, I'm also very blessed that in the company and you know, through the publishing company through OCP, uh, you know, they they have a successful system in which they have to also go out to the national conferences to. Uh, promote and show their resources available for other musicians. And so I, as a, as a writer of OCP, uh, have to go to those things. And so when I go to teach and show resources, I also have opportunities to, to talk to other artists and other writers. And so that always brings up creativity. Nothing brings creativity 
bit sharper than when you are with colleagues that have uh, similar, uh, not only similar likings, but but uh, vocation, calling. And so then we challenge one another, you know, and, and in one way or another. Sometimes we work together. We decide to collaborate together. Sometimes we just, just by listening to somebody say, this is what I'm working on, you know, you walk away going, oh, brother, i got to get it back to the drawing board, you know. And so uh, nothing is better than to listen to other artists share with you what they're what they're working on. That's a wonderful inspiration. So, you know, I have the blessing of having incredible mentors and friends, you know, uh, that, that you know, I mean, people like Bob Hurd and, and Rory Cooney come to mind. You know, there are people who, who I see in national level conferences, but, you know, when I sit down with them at a table and break bread with them and I'm having dinner and we're talking about different things, you know, hearing them speak about what they're working on their projects makes me want to run over to my own, you know, little corner and start <laughs> creating. Yeah, definitely. So those anger convictions, uh, conventions really help. So kind of oh, work yeah. you back. So yeah, kind of yeah. be competitive. Is there a particular you song know, that people always ask you to play all the time? Yeah, I, I would say if I had to choose between all of them, and you know, it's really funny. Most people know me by "Rain Down," and and if, and, and if I'm more in the Spanish, because I'm also a minister in the Spanish community, so the Spanish-speaking community. Know, know me more by Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo, you know. So those two pieces, mm-hmm. Rain Down and, and the bilingual piece that is called Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo, would be probably the pieces that most people would ask me to play. Although, you know, I, in, in the company, in OCP, I probably have about 30-plus pieces in one of their Spanish hymnals, you know, in Floricanto, which is their Spanish hymnal, and I have about mm-hmm. about seven or eight pieces in their English hymnal, you know. So I have lots of music that is published and lots of as recordings I have six CDs, you know, with the company. Uh, however, most people know me by that, those two pieces, you know, Rain Down and Somos el Cuerpo. I have to, I cannot skip those when I play concerts around the country, you know. I have to play them. I'm going pl- to play one of them in a few minutes, but, uh, and before we talk about the particular song, one thing about uh, artists, uh, performers in one sense, or ministers, uh, I remember talking to Evan Hawkins. I say, how many times is going to take you to go through Oh Happy Day? He said, it never stops. <laughs> I said, how do you get the energy to continue to play a song that everywhere you go, that's all people want to hear over and over? Yeah. You have to have this particular song. How do you deal uh, with that? Because if uh, you go on you know, tour, you're playing this every single yeah. day. Yeah, yes, you do. You, it becomes sort of automatic. You know, that's a that's a question that lots of artists face. You know, there. I mean, you can you can you can see that even some of the major major world artists have to play that song that everybody wants to hear. You know, so so uh, one way. You know, I, I've I've heard healthy reasons. You know, from our other artists, and you know, what, the way I look at it is, look, um, rain down has struck a chord on people's hearts. Uh, also, uh, so so in 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 an artist level, you owe it. You know, you owe it to to share that and to bring back that joy. I also, in another aspect, I I have been on the other side, on the receiving side. You know, I have been to to see artists and composers that I felt were terrific, and and you all, everybody can identify with that feeling of, you know, you're going to see James Taylor because you just love Fire and Rain and you want to hear him play. You know, you you just you know, you, I have been there in that situation where I want go and see an artist and I want to hear him play that my favorite song. 
And so I know that they've played that song for 40 years, yet they're still going to play it today because I'm there, you know. And and I, mm-hmm. I've been in that receiving end. So in a way, as an artist that is, you know, that is coming to, to do a showcase of music, in some way I am... I owe it to that public, you know, to to provide them with that, uh, and, and also, and, and let's look at it from a financial standpoint. You know, from a financial standpoint, the folks that are there are paying part of my earnings, part of my living. If I'm making part mm-hmm. of my living playing music live, then the folks that are there that have paid money to come and see me, I owe it to them to pay to to play the music that they would want to hear. You know, and so. Uh, there is, you know, that that aspect too. I I I have to be in tune with the people who are uh, who are fans of the music, and I have to be in some way um, present to their need and 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 provide them with that with the expectation that they have. So how do you keep you the know, song uh, fresh every single time? Uh, it's different ways. You know, sometimes you know the the nice thing is. Uh, I, I can make it a little bit more improvisational when I, you know, if we're talking about Rain Down particularly, uh, when I'm doing it live, I, I, I do different things. I have had an opportunity to insert guitar, electric guitar solos on it or sometimes piano solos. Uh, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we break into allowing the, the the audience to sing it, you know. So sometimes I've done that where I break into verse 3 and, you know, if we are particularly, sometimes if we're playing in a church setting, they can pick up the hymnal books and so I can say, okay, everybody, you know, we're going to, you're going to do verse 3 on your own and we kind of bring the music down and it's just drums and, the, and everybody sings it up, you know. So that, those are cool ways of kind of keeping it different and fresh for me, you know. Sometimes I let the audience sing it, sometimes it's a piano solo, sometimes it's an organ solo, sometimes it's an electric guitar solo. And that makes it a little bit more, you know, more interesting for me when I'm having to play it over and over and over and, and over and over. So. Tell us about uh, some old, uh the We Are the Body of the Christ. Uh, kind of tell us how that song came to be. Sure. Somos el cuerpo de Cristo. We are the body of Christ. Was uh, mm-hmm. an, the inspiration was uh, once again, you know, uh, sharing ideas with with composer Bob Ferg and and uh, talking about communities that had Spanish-speaking people and English-speaking people in one place and, and how to provide them with something that they could use to worship together. It's very easy you know, that everybody has music in English, everybody has music in Spanish, but what happens when you have one ritual, you know, one celebration, it's Thanksgiving or it's Fourth of July, whatever, you know, and you have everybody together. And, and there are, at the time, you know, this was in the early 90s, there was not a lot of material available for that. And I wanted to provide a piece that would be 50-50, you know, 50% English, 50% Spanish with somewhat of a translation, you know, maybe not literal, but very close in the sense of just saying, okay, here's a piece of music in which we are both equals, you know, we divide this in half and we have some Spanish and some English and we both sing it. And, 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 w- and making it accessible, you know, when we come to the verses, all people have to say is Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo and sing We Are the Body of Christ. Those two like the cantor, you know, the soloist sings the rest of the complicated li- lyrics. But that way, it was an experiment of trying to create a song that would give equal time to both um, uh, languages. And it, it was successful. You know, it was a happy, upbeat song, and uh, and it became one of those uh, anthems for folks that uh, share this kind of, um, of life in their parish, you know, which is the, the life of the multicultural or the life of the bilingual culture, you know, the English-speaking and Spanish-speaking folks, and so it became very successful for that. 
so successful, you know, that when Bob Hurd and I got together to create a collection of music that was going to be of bilingual pieces for communities that had these two languages in their in their midst, uh, we decided to call the collection Somos el Puerto de Cristo, We Are the Body of Christ. It was the perfect song for that. So uh, we were very lucky. Okay. We're going to take a break real quick and be back in a moment, and we're going to dive into your two recent projects uh, from Avon, also the sacraments. Be back in a moment with Jaime uh, Cortez. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Well, we'll be back with uh, Harmony Cortez, and we're going to talk about your recent project uh, for Advent. Kind of tell us about how this project came to be and some of the titles that uh, make this, uh, put this collection together. Okay. Uh, good, to, good to be with you, Tim. Thanks a lot for having me, by the way. Uh, uh, this, this collection, Advent, Adviento, it's called Adviento, uh, you know, which is the word mm -hmm. for Advent in Spanish, was... Uh, was aimed uh, at a couple of levels. One of them was I wanted music for young people. Uh, in, in a lot of the, in the liturgies wherever the young people were celebrating with maybe perhaps a little bit more upbeat music. Uh, and also I wanted to experiment on, on, on creating some, you know, in English, in the English world, uh, there are some really brilliant pieces of music that have been already created that are using the scriptural text of Advent, which are very unique and they're really you know unique to the to the season, and they're just beautiful pieces. And so, I wanted to create some songs, mainly in Spanish, some in bilingual form, that would have uh, those same scriptures, you know, that, that that I could not see in the Spanish repertoire. So, so I just the, the task was to create upbeat, uh, maybe youth-oriented music that was about the Advent scriptures some in Spanish and some in bilingual form. Uh, but, but there are a lot of things happen. You know, the magical thing about that, that uh, collection, Adviento, is that, you know, I was a little bit more mature as a writer. Um, I was influenced by other things and other people. Uh, I was also, I, I, I had decided that, that uh, by that time I had hit a wall in terms of the ability to be a good recorder. You know, somebody who comes to the studio and actually produces your record, who makes decisions on the equipment, on the players, on what kind of gear you're going to use post-production and all that. And I had already, you know, hit the limit of what I could do. And so I decided to ask a friend of mine, his name is Andy Andino, he lives in Cleveland, Ohio, and he uh, he helped me produce this record. And he has enormous creativity in the studio as a, as a person who records. And so that gave this CD great 
brightness, you know, and a, a really clean, really upbeat sound that I couldn't give it. And so the combination of, of fresh young writing with beautiful scripture reading and a great production from a good producer uh, created a wonderful collection. You know, this this album you know, actually won a Unity Award as the best Spanish album of the year for, I want to say, 2008, I think. So I don't remember what year, but it, it really... You know, it was it's just a very beautiful album with a lot of upbeat music and happy, you know, songs that that are you know, and I wanted to do something that will be for young people during the Advent season. Okay. And so it's more geared toward the young, uh uh kind of youth than versus the traditional. Yeah, you know, the, the happy the happy thing about it is that once the songs are created then other people look at it too and they go, Wow, we can use this too at the eight o'clock mass, you know. So it, it, you know, the thing is that some of the music ended up just, yeah, it just it ended up going everywhere, you know. So uh, the the music was originally geared toward the young people, but they, you know, people use it in all kinds of masses, you know. So it, it really hasn't stayed only for the young people, which is a really great blessing, really. You know? Well, you know, kind of tell us about your journey with bilingual music. Um, kind of tell us what we are as a country uh, in our music ministries with bilingual uh Liturgies as a whole. Okay, um, I think in general, uh, if there's you know if there's a positive outlook in the sense that their catechesis has happened. I think that understanding bilingual music and multicultural music is really first having to understand who you are as a person in general, as an individual, who we are as a community, uh, and and what is the value of stepping into somebody else's world, you know, as, as in the in the spirituality that we have accepted as Catholics, you know, we are called to welcome the stranger. We are called to help those who are, uh, you know, in need. Uh, and so when mm-hmm. you're talking about people who are coming, you know, coming to a land that maybe they have a different language and they are maybe scared or maybe they're trying to develop their, their own and keep their own identity, we as Catholics are called to reach out, you know, and help out and to embrace and to welcome people. And so with having having said that, you know, if you have accepted those responsibilities as a Catholic, then then it's much easier and simpler to adapt other cultural aspects that are foreign to you. However, uh it's you can see this by this by how the country speaks right now about people who are coming from foreign lands to our country, how this is not exactly something that we all share. Uh, whether it's by fear or by other aspects, you know, we, we sometimes do have resistance to embracing people who are different than we are. Uh, and, you know, and, and this, is, this is not the form for that, but, but I know that in terms of bilingual music, uh, I think that when you come to, uh, you, you, need, you need a certain level of catechism understand mm-hmm. why do we do other languages, you know, because the church is much wider than just the nine o'clock mass or this particular parish or this particular city. You know, the church is much, much more universal. And so, you know, I, in terms of my personal experience, you know, I try to expose my community not only to Spanish and English, but to many languages. You know, I, we have we have little acclamations and, and, uh, and pieces of music that are in Vietnamese and, and we have pieces of music in Tagalog, uh, you know, and so we have done music from different languages, and that exposes people to to um, to, you know, to different cultures and, and to understand that our church is much wider. I have had to lead music that I have had to spend hours learning first because I don't understand Vietnamese, for example, but I've had to lead music in Vietnamese before. 
And so I also put myself, I wanted to put myself in the place of the person who says, well, I don't understand this. You know, well, I have been there. You know, I know that I don't understand exactly what I'm saying in Vietnamese, but I do know that this is praising God in one way, and, and I want to honor and welcome, you know, stretch a hand of welcoming to the community that is there, present, uh, that is in mm-hmm. Vietnam. And I would like to, and this is one way of, of reaching out and welcoming them. So, so catechesis needs to happen before we are more comfortable with singing different languages. Having said that, you know, you you can probably you don't you know you you don't have to look too far to see that uh, Spanish-speaking uh, communities are growing everywhere in this country. And so, in that sense, there is a need in the church, you know, in the life of the church and the life of the parishes, for music that shares both of these languages, because there's going to be many times in the year where we're going to have to be together, we're going to have to worship together. And so, in that sense, that w- there is still a need for that kind of music. You know, whether whether people always want to accept it or not, it's a different issue. But in reality, uh, we we get calls, you know, at OCP all the time, and music directors going, "Oh, you know, I'm having this this ordination, and we're going to have everybody here, and we have English and Spanish, and we'd like to have some piece of music that can." to say this and this and this in the both languages. Do you have that? So we are constantly getting calls from people having the need in specific moments in their ritual in which they need languages, you know, music in English and in Spanish, or sometimes even, even more languages. I just heard recently that uh, one of our great composers, you know, Father Ricky Manalo, uh, has composed a piece of music in 30 languages. It's a little short piece, but, it, you know, it, it, he, he wanted to prove a point, I'm sure, with that, you know, and it's a wonderful point which is the church is very wide. You know, and so here we are honoring all these cultures. So bilingual music is, you know, the attempt, the, the intention, when I write music that is bilingual, the intention is to reach out and include another group that may feel outside. And so the, the, okay. intention, of, yeah, the intention of bilingual music is solely to include more people and to reach out and welcome other people, to reach out and welcome the stranger. That's what we want to do. We don't want to make other people feel excluded and go, oh, why are we doing this? You know, the sole intention is to include more people who are part of the church and to reach out and welcome them and to share their experience of spirituality and, and to share their culture just through a tiny little bit of language. You know, that's the when it When it comes to bilingual and multicultural, can I tell us what the – what the difference between the two? Are they the same in one, in your opinion, uh, or they well, they separate? Well, bilingual just, you know, bilingual is a Latin term. You know, it just means two languages. So when you're talking about mm-hmm. bilingual music, you're talking about normally, in general, Spanish and English. Not necessarily that way. Okay. But it just means two languages. But in, in our country, more most of the time, we're talking about English and Spanish, even though that's, you know, it could, it could be French and Spanish. It could be, you know, anything. But, but mm-hmm. bilingual is for two languages. Most of the, the repertoire that we have at OCP is Spanish and English, so that's a bilingual piece. But when you're talking about a multicultural piece, it's a different level. You could have more than two languages on that, you know, and I know that there are many. Uh, I can think of, you know, at least in the, off the top of my head, you know, there's uh, Jesse Manabusen, who's a wonderful writer from the Catholic Church, who is an OCP writer also. He, he has written a beautiful piece that is a song of thanksgiving, it is actually called thanks, you know, thank you, and, and I think it's malo malo, which is the the, the language that he used there, uh, which I want to say, I want to say it's I, if my memory fails me, I think it's chamorro, but I can't remember. But anyways, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, that in that piece, you know, he has used like thirteen languages to say thanks be to God, and so that's a multicultural wow. piece, more than one culture, more than two cultures. 
sometimes a multicultural piece would be just the style in which it's executed. It could be that you know that it could be in a certain style. You know, there are pieces of music that are written in wino, which is a South American rhythm, or in merengue, or in cumbia, you know, which in, in, in Spanish music, you know, there's a lot of specific rhythms, and they really have specific ways of executing them. And so, you know, you have mariachi music, and so all those things are aspects of also culture. So a, a multicultural uh, piece of music could be considered to be something that has got maybe two languages, but yet is in a specific style of music. Okay. Tell us about your, your sacrament, uh, new CD on sacraments, sacramentals. Okay. Sacramentals is um, really the intention of that piece of, of that of that uh, collection was to uh, provide resources about the sacraments. So, in, in terms of talking about the sacraments, we're talking about baptism. You're talking about first communion, confirmation, weddings, funerals, and so in those aspects of the church, you know, the sacramental moments. I wanted to provide some music that was uh, bilingual. And th there's actually a couple of stories about that. I, I was serving a parish in Mesa, Arizona, which is where I live. And uh, mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a gentleman come and say, my father passed away. You know, in, in Arizona, we're so close to Mexico. So, you know, he said, my father passed away. Uh, he was from Mexico, and much of my family is coming from Mexico. And I want to know if you have some funeral music that could be in English and in Spanish. And because my tias are coming, you know, my primos and all that stuff. So I was like, wow, you know, okay, well, and I, at the time, you know, this was in, in the early 90s, I, I, I remember just mustering some sort of an answer, like, don't worry, I'll find something. But I, I really, specifically for the funeral, right, I didn't recall having anything bilingual at the time. And so I remember keeping that. Well, not three or four days later, a young lady comes and says, I'm getting married you know, my my uh, family is from Mexico, and my tios and my tias are all coming to the wedding. Do you have any music that is bilingual, English and Spanish, for a wedding? Well, I mean, the alarm was in my head was ringing loud, right? I was thinking, well, here's a need. In the sacramental moments of the church, you know, we, we, we are going to need some music that will, when we are uniting, here's an interesting moment, you know, in which our country is going through a lot of, People are marrying in you know, mixed races, and they're marrying different people from different cultures. And so here's a need, you know, in which we're going to need, need music for the sacraments that are going to be in English and in Spanish. So that gave me the focus, and I just started doing research with all the all the uh, sacramental books, you know, re taking texts from that and, and that doing research on, on different rituals, and I started developing this collection that was bilingual music for the sacraments. Wow. Can I tell us, uh, to close with, uh, what is your parish life is like? How do you go about picking your music uh, throughout the year? Uh, what challenges do you have as a director as the community changes and music changes? Uh, how do you actually address those needs in your particular parish? Okay. Uh, that's what I, the essential thing in any parish is the leadership. You know, I am blessed that I have a pastor. Uh, you know, I'm in, the, in the, my my parish is Holy Cross Church in Mesa, Arizona. My pastor is mm -hmm. Father Richard Felt. Father Felt has got an amazing vision, a wonderful vision of Vatican II, uh, in which you know the gifts of the community are important and they're welcome. Uh, he has a wonderful vision about understanding that people come from different cultures. That we are in Arizona, and the B. Hispanic community is growing leaps and bounds, and that there are people who are coming to our parish too, 
worship and they have needs, you know, in, the, in their language. And so he is a, an incredible visionary. And in that sense, when the, when the leadership of my parish is saying to me, welcome the stranger, welcome the Hispanic community, uh, try multicultural music, um, help people understand that we are bigger than just one mass, uh, then, you know, we're talking about it, it paves the road for me, you know. What I, all I have to do really is to be a good teacher, to be uh, patient, you know, because the one thing that I have learned when we are t- teaching multicultural music and bilingual music is you must be patient. You must understand that sometimes you're going to have a reaction. It may, people get scared when they have to step into different languages. Some people are very delighted about speaking another language, but some people are not. And so I have to be patient. I have to be compassionate. I have to be very good at giving good reasons. You know, I write an article in the bulletin every week, and sometimes I can, I'll touch in the aspect of, you know, why do we do different languages? Why do we do this? You know, and so catechizing people is, are, is very important. Letting them in on the train of thought that the parish went through, that the staff went through, to say, this is why we are doing this. You know, not just to say, we're going to sing the song in Spanish, let's try but to actually say, you know, we have had a community, well, right now we are having a, um, a big class of people who are preparing for, uh, for confirmation, and you would be surprised to hear that out of that group of kids that are com- preparing for confirmation, 65% of them are in Spanish family, Spanish-speaking family. Mm. So because of that, we have chosen this piece of music that has two languages. Let me show you a little bit of how it goes, and I'll, I'll translate it for you. So, you know, we, have, we give people a chance to understand it and catechize them about why we are doing this. And it's not just a whim, or it's not because I know Spanish or we're singing in Spanish. It's because our community is growing in, in bigger, you know, aspects and, in, and, and with people who are not speaking necessarily in English. And so, you know, the vision of the leadership. My pastor gives me... Uh, the, the vision and points in that direction, and and he really appreciates the gifts of the community. He wants to include everybody, and he understands perfectly that some of that will include different cultures. And so then, from there, I take it from there and do my research, do my do my catechesis, you know, write on the bulletin. Uh, when I'm teaching and practicing during church, you know, before mass starts, I am very careful about being clear about what I need to say to make folks understand why we're doing this. Make it with a joyful statement. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, doing negative statements, but in a joyful way, saying this is going to be beautiful because this is going to be wonderful because, and um, and and that the catechism, you know, the catechesis and the vision of the pastor can really make a big difference in why and how we can be successful at, at singing music that is in different languages. Anything you'd like to leave us with, and we're almost out of time. I'm going to play one of your tracks uh, to close out. What uh, would you like to leave us with about Jaime Cortez? Well, well, you know that we we uh, we we are ministers of the church, like like all the ministers that are out there. You know, I also mm-hmm. sit at a desk and have to do the scripture readings, and I have to do research about songs. Uh, I have to practice with choirs. I have a children's choir. I have multicultural events. I have a Thanksgiving mass that is in many languages. I also walk that walk of the music minister, the, the music leader of the church. Uh, it, I feel the responsibility that I, that I with, through music, help deepen the faith of a community. I feel that big responsibility. So um, I, if, if you want to remember anything is musicians of the church love what you do. 
take all your take your vocation, take your calling, and treat it with love and great respect. Treat your communities with respect. Treat your musicians and your singers with great respect because that that shows also uh, the aspect that you know as musicians we are also called to be followers of Christ. That's what we do. I know in our realm we are really basically about Christ. So love what you do, follow Christ, be Christ-like in what you do, because that will be essential for the success of bringing love into the world and salvation into the world. That's what we're about. You know, I can be a great musician, but if I'm not Christ-like, I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing the mission of Christ, which is what we do. Wow. Well, well said. Jaime, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing your story. Uh, and they can go to OCP website and find all the materials and everything listed there. That's right. Thanks, Tim, for having me over, and, and greetings to everybody. Oh. And everybody just drop at his church and say hello to him. You're in uh, Holy Cross in, uh, in Arizona, Mesa, right? Mesa, Arizona. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the program. Thanks, Tim. Cheers to everybody. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, that was Jaime Cortez. We're going to play a song, uh, Sumo uh, uh, El Cristo. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. i got to work on my Spanish. I only had like a couple of weeks. So anyway, I'm going to play this track as we go out. And thank you for listening to the Core Business Show. Tim Jacquet, your host.
invited to feast in the banquet. We are the body of Listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, AppleCapitalGroup.com. That's AppleCapitalGroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.